Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Cutting Through the Noise, a Pintler Group podcast. Today I'm joined by Michelle and we're going to be talking about unconventional PR. When you think about unconventional PR, Michelle, what comes to mind? Publicity stunts. And I think the one that comes first and foremost is Red Bull. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of things, you know, any kind of a company that does some sort of stunt that goes viral or it's just something that seems a little off the beaten path in terms of normal marketing is what I think of. You know, recently uh, Budweiser was um, sort of doing a publicity type stunt related to Area 51. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. Uh, If you're anyone that follows any kind of social media, I'm sure you've seen a lot of images making fun of this whole Area 51 raid. And I really couldn't tell you where it started. It was some sort of campaign somewhere online where someone decided, hey, if we try to storm Area 51, they can't stop us all. (laughs) And so this kind of took off and all these people got in on the joke and there was a petition that started. And now it's like, insanely high numbers of people that want to quote storm area 51 so uh kind of taking off on this i don't know exactly how again how it started but on twitter uh bud light actually somehow got involved i don't know if someone tagged them or what but it's uh it was kind of funny to watch how this took off because for instance bud light was like oh no we post they posted a tweet that was like we're not going to get involved with this we're not the official sponsor of this event uh and then they actually turned around quick change of heart and said that, you know what, screw it, we are going to be a part of this. And so right now on trending on Twitter is uh, a thing where Bud Light is trying to do um, a customized label on their beer cans if they can get, you know, their followers or anybody on Twitter to retweet that tweet 51,000 times. And so this is an example, a most recent example, I believe, of a publicity stunt. Like it's it's trending, people are seeing it, Bud Light's name is attached to this whole event. <laughs> um, and so it's it's this is kind of an unconventional example, I think, when I think of it. So it's been an interesting um, campaign to track. Do you see a potential downside, a way it could go wrong um, in terms of perception of, of Budweiser or Bud Light? Or is it one of those things where no publicity is bad publicity? I think it would be the latter. Um, just because even when you look at, I mean, anytime you're on the internet and you're looking at people comments on videos or branding content, anything, you're going to have the people that are just kind of trolling through making negative comments, but still they're talking about the brand. I mean, it's everywhere. Like, so if it doesn't actually pan out and this, you know, if they don't reach the 51,000 retweets, it still was something that was trending for a bit and got the name out there. Um, yeah, I think it's, and I think that's kind of how it goes with unconventional PR. The whole point is to get your name out there, um, whether or not it's good or bad. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about sort of traction channels and marketing in general, you know, a big thing that we talk about is is tracking and, and conversions. And this is a case where there isn't necessarily a conversion. There isn't necessarily something you can track. Um, it's just more of a brand awareness standpoint. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's okay sometimes. You know, I was... At Comic-Con a bunch of years ago, which, um, you know, Comic-Con is like publicity stunt central. And I was just walking down the street and all of a sudden there were a bunch of people wearing um, shark faces. And like they're a mascot at a football game. And it was right before the first Sharknado came out. And they were just going down there and they had shark hats and they had shirts that said Sharknado and, and what 
date it was releasing and it was great and you laughed at it because like i'm not gonna watch i mean that has ian Ziering in it and tara reed and it's shark coming out of the sky like why am i gonna watch that it's a sci-fi b movie and, and then when i got home from comic-con i watched sharknado and it's something that you know it was silly but i did it and i still i'm telling that story today and this was eight years ago whatever it was um and so it's something that kind of sticks with you and it's kind of one of those things where the more outlandish it can be um the better you know yeah. it's not it's not going to work for every brand obviously um you know if you're um you know just selling pencils um and you're doing a publicity stunt it may not work maybe it will i don't know but there's just some brands that it's just not on message um but i think for some it could really work and I agree. And, and you know, the thing that we talk about, too, when it comes to unconventional PR, it's not limited to just the big name brands, too. You know, like a lot of these publicity stunts do seem to be orchestrated by people who have the money and the ad spend backing it up. But um, it is interesting that you can break this this traction channel actually down to two parts. So you have the, you know, unconventional or you have the publicity stunts. But on the other hand, you also have the customer appreciation aspect of it. And I know uh, with one of your clients, you've kind of maybe experienced a little bit of this traction, this side of the traction channel. Can you maybe talk a little bit about customer appreciation? Yeah, so we work with a clothing company, and it's kind of geared at um, sort of millennials and you know people who are active on social media, specifically Instagram. And um, you know the owner has a huge following on Instagram, and people love to post pictures and tag him and just wearing the gear. And it could just be, you know, somebody with just a hat at a baseball game or somebody doing something outdoors in Montana. Um, one time somebody posted a picture standing next to a tiger wearing a up top hat. Um, <laughs> and what he does is he goes and shares that and puts them on his own page and tags them and thanks them for wearing the stuff. And then they go and tag their friends and like, Oh, I know that guy. And Oh, look at that tiger. And, it just kind of rewards people for being loyal customers because its customers are very loyal. And, you know, it's not a huge investment on his part. It doesn't cost any money. But just by, you know, posting a picture on Facebook or Instagram that somebody sends him, it just goes a long way. Not just to keeping them as a customer, but also, you know, having their friends see it. So it kind of works in a lot of ways, and it's, you know, a low barrier, uh, but it really does work. Yeah, no, that's awesome how engaging it is um, and making it more than just like him posting about products, it sounds like, on this page. Yeah, uh, yeah it, for sure. It just And it also just kind of brings a human element to it. I mean, there's only so many times you can post a picture of a hat. Um, <laughs> so kind of seeing it out there in the wild and it not being on a model or a mannequin or whatever, it just kind of humanizes the brand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then is there anything on for this particular client, maybe in terms of like delivering like products or anything? Or is there any, like, small, in addition to, I guess, sharing, is there any other kind of, like, tangible thank you notes or anything like that that he sends out? Yeah, he, um, we've done that in the past in terms of sending thank you notes. Um, you know, some of the sort of power users will send a, you know, hat every once in a while. Um, you know, we, uh, and even just on the marketing side also kind of, you know, people who have spent X amount of money just sort of sending them a customer appreciation coupon is something that, um, you know, we've experimented with in the past. So pretty good reception with that then. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's the same thing. Like, you know, my birthday's at the end of the month and yesterday I just got flooded with emails from various places I purchased from with a, here's your birthday coupon. 
Um, so, well, not necessarily PR and more of a um, sort of straight conversion driver. Um, it is customer appreciation and there mm-hmm. you feel like it's a personal um, sort of personal experience. Nice. So I guess I'm going to have to go do a lot of shopping in the next uh, <laughs> 27 days. Yeah, I got to use that stuff. So, Sean, we talked a little bit about the customer appreciation for one of, you know, one of your smaller clients, but are there any examples of customer appreciation, do you think, from like a national brand? Yeah. So, you know, when you think about big national brands with tons of money and budget and um, things like that, you would assume that they're just doing publicity stunts the way that Budweiser does because they have the following and they have the resources. Um, but what a lot of national companies don't do is sort of the customer appreciation. And, you know, one example that everybody always talks about is uh, Zappos and sort of their business model is customer delight. And, you know, they want to make customers as happy um, as possible. And, you know, it's been said, written about a lot, um, but, you know, for them, their customer service team, if they're on the phone with somebody for above average amount of time, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and, you know, in addition to helping them with returns, you know, they'll kind of go to great lengths to help you with anything. You know, sometimes you can ask them a question and they, um, you know, will answer it for you. And, you know, in the book Traction, there's this example of a customer support person at Zappos helped somebody exchange workout clothes for a deep fat fryer. And so that, which that in itself is unconventional. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just that sort of level of attention um, that just drives um, brand affinity. And, you know, they don't even call them customer support. Um, they refer to it as a marketing investment. Um, so they're taking time and, energy and tons of training um, just to really delight their customers. And it's those small things um, that, you know, really add up. And you think about if somebody's calling to return something or, you know, calling because they can't find something on your website, a lot of companies that's, they're going to say, go to our website and read the FAQs. But this, they, you know, you can reach a real person um, and it goes a long way. And we see that with smaller companies too. And a lot of times, you know, it's easy to have everything automated and everything in digital form, but having a, a real person to talk to um, can go a long way. Yeah, no, that's awesome to see that. It's just not, you know, smaller companies, you know, as you get, as you continue to grow as a business, you know, you don't really want to lose that focus on your customer. Like they're the ones that are keeping you afloat. So it, it is cool to see larger companies, with, you know, the money and spend behind it to actually kind of keep it real and, you know, focus on the, that the customer is the person that's helping them keep them afloat. <laughs> you know, earlier we were talking about, you know, is there a downside to doing a publicity stunt? And I think it's important um, to note that sometimes they're just going to not work out and mm-hmm. maybe nobody's going to see it. Um, maybe nobody's going to interact and, you know, this wasn't going to happen with Bud Light necessarily, but what if nobody retweeted at all? Um, and so, you know, you kind of have to be prepared for that um, because, and that's why you got to do something that's organic and cheap and, you know, not a lot um, to invest in mm-hmm. um, just because it could fall completely flat. Right. Um, and, you know, if the only person that, you know, retweets your publicity stunt is your mom, like <laughs> make your mom buy whatever you're selling. But Number one fan. <laughs> exactly. But you kind of have to be prepared for that failure um, 
aspect to it, um, which is okay. I mean, we, you know, over here, we take risks and embrace failure. And, you know, you kind of have to do that on the PR side. So, you know, as long as you're not investing $100,000 in a publicity stunt, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay if it doesn't kind of reach um, the critical mass that, that you're hoping for. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I mean, in the world of marketing, like we're always testing things like, you know, every strategy you put out isn't always going to be the best thing ever. But what you can do is learn and optimize based off of it. And I, and that could be true with uh, unconventional PR as well. Well, And that's what we've been talking about all these traction channels is, you know, you mm-hmm. have to test them out and see which traction channels work for you. And, and like I said, you know, some just aren't going to, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're a small white label distributor um, doing a huge uh publicity stunt may not really work for you. Um, but at the same time, that's a case where customer appreciation and customer support and customer delight really comes in handy. Yeah, very true. All right. So, uh, you know, you mentioned the book Traction. Where, you know, obviously we're talking about the unconventional PR. And uh, funny enough, this is one of the, the shortest chapters in there. Um, when you think of unconventional traction as its own channel, do you happen to think that there's any other crossover between other channels? Like, is this something that can be built you know, multiple channels together supporting it, or is this one that's kind of more standalone? Yeah, I think this is actually one that kind of needs to be supported by other traction channels. Um, and I think the byproduct of it is things that would exist in other traction channels. So, you know, for example, if you're doing something, um, you know, outdoors, if it's something, you know, related to a stunt at Comic Con or trying to get people to show up somewhere, you're going to have to advertise that. And mm-hmm. So maybe you have outdoor signage, and that's a you know another traction channel we'll talk about. Uh, digital ads, um, you know things along those lines. So because it's something that is kind of organic and is kind of risky in the sense that you know it may not work, and but you're, that's what you're doing on the free and cheap side. But you still have to support it because unconventional by nature is you know there isn't really a playbook for it, and so you know maybe it's email or. You know, obviously, social media. Um, you know, when it comes to what um, to what Bud Budweiser was doing. So, you know, so publicity stunts that side it really does have to cross over into you know a multitude of of traction channels, and you know, it even works. You know, we talked about you know quote unquote regular PR. Um, you know, sometimes these publicity stunts include press releases that are maybe silly. It's like, oh, well, sharks are dropping out of the sky. Stay tuned. Um, but you know, PR can be a part of unconventional PR also. Um, you know, on the customer appreciation side, it's the same thing. I mean, that um, making sure you have a really sound email marketing um, strategy um, is important to that. I mean, we've talked about sort of automation and, you know, getting you know emails out to people and, and what that looks like. And, you know, you not just going to show customers that you appreciate them by just sending out an email. It has to be a good strategy. It's another traction channel that aids in getting unconventional PR sort of over the top. Yeah, and that's a good point you were talking about with the press releases as well, joining it with it. I, I did see something a little bit ago. I think this is about 20 years ago or so that for Virgin, um, for their press releases, the CEO would dress up in very outlandish outfits. And that really kind of, that was an unconventional PR and the fact that like, hey, you took this traditional you know, method of delivering your press release of like maybe you're launching a product or whatever, but then the CEO would just dress in outlandish outfits that really just kind of got the ball rolling and got people talking about it. So that's a good point. All right. Well, that's our uh, conversation about unconventional PR. Uh, If you liked what you heard, 
um, which you definitely did. Make sure you subscribe um, to our podcast. You can find us on YouTube, find us on Facebook, uh, at Pintler Group, and we'll check you next time. <laughs>